0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Weekly Touchdown. My name is Nick Sainer, and alongside me tonight is... Andrew Hammergren. We're glad you guys can join us. Uh, We're going to be breaking down a couple new things here on the Weekly Touchdown. First, we're going to do what we do every week, and we're going to pick and predict this week's games in the NFL, but then we're going to transition to college football. We're going to talk about our college football playoff predictions, who we think are going to be the top four teams at the end of the year, and why. Um, We're also going to look at a couple teams individually, LSU, Bama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. And then we're going to finish off with two Big Ten teams, Minnesota and Nebraska. All right, Andrew, let's get started on predictions. First game we have this Thursday, the 49ers, who are somehow still undefeated against the Arizona Cardinals.
1: You know what? They're still undefeated, but I think that they possibly could be the second best team in the NFL, right behind the Patriots. Yeah, they have the second best defense behind the Patriots, and then Tom Brady Jr. I mean, he should be in for a big game. Jimmy yeah, G.
0: Jimmy G's playing yep. really well.
1: Yep. So uh, I have the
0: 49ers winning this game twenty eight to three. Yeah, and I'm I'm right there next to you. Uh, I th- I don't I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be capable of. Moving the ball against a pretty stout 49ers defense, I'm taking the 49ers by 14 points, 21 to seven over uh, Arizona this Thursday. Next one, the Chiefs who have been struggling the last couple weeks, coming off a one touchdown loss to the Packers, uh, hosting the Vikings of Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. What are your What are your thoughts on this one? I'm a
1: Chiefs fan myself, but so I have the Chiefs winning this game, 31 to 26. The Chiefs probably have most banged-up roster in football right now. But Patrick Mahomes, it's looking like he could be playing on uh, Sunday. Um, But, you know, for not having Patrick Mahomes past couple weeks, I think they've been doing all right, especially against the Packers, who only have one loss so far. Um, But they could have won that game, I think, if Patrick Mahomes was there.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's going to be the difference maker when they play host to the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. They're getting Patrick Mahomes back. Um, Tyreek Hill is pretty healthy, as he is. Um, So once Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill get clicking on all cylinders, they're going to be just fine. One thing they need to improve on, however, is their defense. They're not going to be able to win any games come playoff time if that defense is struggling like like it was last weekend against the Packers. So I'm taking the Chiefs by 10 points in this one. Next one, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans against Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, this is the London game,
1: so it's going to be an early morning game. But um, it's an unfortunate loss for the Texans, not having J.J. Watt for the rest of the year. But I think the Texans should win this game. Uh, The Jaguars, you know, are doing good with Gardner Minshew. I mean, Nick Foles went out first game of the year against the Chiefs. but I'm still going to have the Texans winning this game 34-21. to 21.
0: Yeah, and I have the Jags. Um, I think Gardner Minshew, like you said, has really put himself into quite the conversation of, man, I deserve to be the starter. Um, Nick Foles obviously got banged up early in the season, and so Gardner Minshew has had to take the reins. He's found a real threat between him and DJ Chark out on the outside. Leonard Fournette's really stepping up his game. I think the Jags are going to kind of upset the Texans here Um, Not having J.J. Watt on that defensive line, I kind of have questions on how much pressure the Texans' uh, defensive line is going to be able to uh, put on Gardner Minshew. So I'm going to take the Jags in a very, very close one by maybe a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, Next game, Redskins at the Bills.
1: You know the Bills fans, I mean, they've had a roller coaster couple years. Made the playoffs for the first time, was it 17 years? Mm -hmm. Two years ago. Last year, you know, they had Josh Allen. He got hurt for a little bit, but – so they kind of have a rougher year, but this year they're looking good. Um, you know, I have the Bills winning this game 17-14, to 14, um, and I think they're I'm back on track to maybe make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and man, Josh Allen's playing really well. Cole Beasley has caught or been more involved in the pass-catching game the last two weeks. He caught a touchdown two weeks ago, I know for sure. The Bills' defense still playing pretty well um, as it comes to Buffalo Redskins still struggling with uh, Case Keenum or whoever their quarterback is from week in to week out. I think the Bills win this one pretty handily by 21 points. Now, next game, we have the struggling Jets against the struggling Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins came close to knocking off the Steelers last night. The Jets still, Le'Veon Bell has still not been the kingdom come, and neither has Sam Darnold. So what's your thought on this one?
1: You know, I think this is the game. It's such a bad game with two such... Awful teams mm-hmm. this year. I think everyone's secretly gonna be keeping up with it. Could this be Miami's only win of the year? Um, you know, I'm having Miami win this game. 14 to 13. The Jets are gonna score a touchdown last second, miss the PAT. Um, this could be the only game. Like I said, Miami wins all year.
0: Yeah, and I have the I have the Dolphins winning as well. Um they had they got rid of Kenyon Drake at the trade deadline just a couple days ago. They did they uh shipped him off to Arizona to replace Chase Edmonds and David Johnson there. Um, But I think the Dolphins, you know, they came out of the gates firing last night with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Throughout the whole season so far, it's been Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen, which one is it? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown that he deserves to be the starting quarterback just because he's the better of the two as of right now. So I'm going to take the Dolphins over the Jets at home as well by seven points. Next one, a little bit of an NFC East rivalry, or excuse me, just an NFC rivalry, the Bears against the Eagles. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Uh, this is going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. The Bears' defense is amazing. Of course, you have Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith leading the way. Uh, you know, I'm still going to have the Eagles winning this game. It's a home game. The Bears do not have an offense. Mm-hmm. They need to probably pick up a new quarterback in this upcoming draft because um, Mitch Trubisky is not getting the job done. Um, but I have thirteen to three final score. Eagles with the win.
0: Yeah, same here. I have I have it seventeen to ten. Um, I think the Bears, like you said, you hit it right on the right on the head with that. Mitch Trubisky and this Bears offense cannot move the ball to save their lives. Eagles defense is nothing special, but it's nothing to just throw off to the side. They're for sure an NFL defense. They have the caliber of kind of defense to make the playoffs and make a splash in the playoffs. So, however, even though I have Mitchell Trubisky on my fantasy team. I'm taking the Eagles on this one. Um, like I said, 17-10. to 10. Next one, the Indianapolis Colts who are leading the AFC South against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, Pittsburgh, they're coming off on a short week. Didn't do too well last night against Miami. Um, you know, I'm going to have the Colts winning this. Um, I think the Colts are doing really well with the unexpected retirement of Andrew Luck. Um but, you know, giving up 14 points to the Dolphins in one quarter, I mean, that that says something about your defense. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I have the Colts winning 24-7.
0: Yeah, in a couple weeks on this show, I, I actually said that the Steelers might be able to make a playoff run because of that defense. How they started out of the gate last night against the Miami Dolphins proved me otherwise. Um, the Colts, however, like I mentioned, are at the top of the AFC South. They're in a competitive division between them and the Texans. The Colts, however, did beat the Texans earlier in the season. Jacoby Brissett's playing really, really well. T.Y. Hilton is playing pretty well. And then Marlon Mack out of the backfield runs like a warhorse. So I'm going with the Colts on this one as well by a score of 21-17. Next game, we have Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans against Kyle Allen Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers. This one's being played in Carolina. What are your, your thoughts on this one?
1: No, Christian McCaffrey, probably the best running back in the league right mm-hmm. now. Um, I think last time I saw he had third best odds to win the MVP this year,
0: which is just ridiculous out of the running back spot. Exactly. Which when, when you're getting looked at as a running back for NFL MVP and you're not a quarterback, that's, that's something that fans need to pay attention to
1: for sure. I mean, it's a passing league these days and, um, you know, Cam Newton, he wasn't able to get anything done this year, so you have to rely on Christian McCaffrey yep. to take the load of that offense, and he's done a great job with that. Uh, you know, it's at home for the Panthers. I'm going to have them winning 20-17 to 17 in this game.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't fully trust Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee offense yet. Um, he's played pretty well these last couple weeks. Um, the Carolina Panthers got straight-up embarrassed in San Francisco last week, uh, losing 51-13. to 13. I believe it was, gosh, it was a long time, more than a decade, since the 49ers put up more than 50 points on a team. But the Panthers' defense, I think Luke Kuechly and that Panthers' defense will respond in a positive way. They're not going up against the same caliber kind of offense. Derrick Henry is a good running back, but I don't think he's good enough to beat the Panthers and Christian McCaffrey at home. Panthers win this one 24-13. Next, we got the Detroit Lions at the Oakland Raiders.
1: You know, I have Oakland winning this game, 24-21. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really too sure on both of these teams right now. Um, but that's all I have to say, really. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And the thing is, with the Detroit Lions, I I took the Lions in this one, uh, 31-21. The reason being because I'm a big fan of Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. I am. I am. I do not believe in Derek Carr, and I don't believe that the Raiders have a good enough wide receiving slash tight end core to carry the load in an NFL game uh, in a positive way. But, I mean, they have Tyrell Williams, they do, um, but I don't think Derek Carr is able to sling the ball like Matthew Stafford is.
1: I mean, they were expecting to have Antonio Brown this year.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So they put all their eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Having Antonio Brown, hopefully they were thinking that was going to... Put Derek or uh, Derek Carr go loose this year, but I mean, you we all know what happened to Antonio Brown.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so like Josh Jacobs has played pretty well for a rookie running back, but then looking on the other side of the ball and the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford has Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., uh, T.J. Hawkinson, and he, he M- Matthew Stafford's been in this league a long time, so he knows how to find his open receivers. Just because of that, I think the Lions take this one um, over the Raiders in Oakland. Next one, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the unsteady, inconsistent offense uh, going up against the Seattle Seahawks and MVP candidate Russell Wilson.
1: You know, I think the Seahawks are bound to have a great game this, game, or, uh, this week. You know, Russell Wilson, like you said, he's uh, campaigning for an MVP season. Uh, I have the Seahawks winning 31-10 to 10 in this game.
0: Yeah, I, I think the Seahawks take this one pretty easily. Um, just the Seahawks are the better team overall. Like I mentioned just a couple seconds ago, Jameis Winston is super inconsistent as of right now, leading that Buccaneers offense. Mike, Mike Evans, one week he'll go off, one week he'll barely get two receptions. Um, Chris Godwin is the same way. I believe Chris Godwin only got six receptions this last week. So you can't, you don't have a wide receiver to consistently depend on. O.J. Howard is dinged up and didn't catch a ball last week. Um, Seattle on the other side of the ball. Russell Wilson's playing really well. D.K. Metcalf caught a touchdown. Um, Tyler Lockett's as reliable as he'll ever be right now. And Chris Carson out of the backfield is a good compliment to Russell Wilson. I think the Seahawks take this one pretty handily, 31-7. Next game, we got the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield leading the charge for them against backup quarterback, as since Joe Flacco's out with a herniated disc and the Denver Broncos.
1: You know, I think the Browns. I think we can all agree they were, are the most disappointing team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you know when Kareem Hunt comes back? Uh, I think he's available to play Week Ten, so there's still uh, two weeks, I believe. Two more weeks. You know, Baker Mayfield had a great rookie year last year. Then they get Odell Beckham Jr. this mm-hmm. year. Kareem Hunt comes here in a couple weeks. But, I mean, you would just expect more offensive power on that team. Um, But, you know, I do have the Browns winning this game, but it's going to be a close one.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I I, I agree with everything you just said there. Baker Mayfield hasn't lived up to the hype this year. Um, On the receiving core, like you mentioned, they got Odell Beckham Jr. He's been a major disappointment. Um, Jarvis Landry isn't putting up the numbers that uh, head coach – Hugh Jackson would want um, and Baker Mayfield just like I mentioned is not playing well the Broncos however they don't have Joe Flacco no matter how bad Joe Flacco is every week I believe his name is Brandon Allen is getting the start now so that that chemistry they traded away Emmanuel Sanders so yeah Cortland Sutton will get a lot of the receptions but I if you guys have listened to this show before, I've been a big believer that you can't put the ball in Phillip Lindsay's hands and say, go win us a ball game. So uh, looking at offense to offense, I think the Browns have the better offense um, with Nick Chubb in the backfield is a big, uh, big advantage over Denver. So I'm taking the Browns in this one by a touchdown. Next one, we got the scorching hot Green Bay Packers against the Los Angeles Chargers. What are your opinions?
1: Exactly right there. The Green Bay Packers are hot right now. Um, you know, I think we're on week eight right now, right? Yep. There's all right. So they're seven one right now. Um, here, let me see real quick. Yeah. So I have them winning thirty five to seventeen in this game. You know.
0: Yeah. I have too much offensive power with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for sure. And the big thing about the Packers is they don't really have a single target. But these last couple, or they haven't been known to have a single target, but these last couple weeks, Aaron Jones out of the backfield has really developed as a pass catcher with the absence of Devontae Adams. He's been a big, big advantage for fantasy football players these last couple weeks, putting up over 30 points in both weeks in PPR leagues. But Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest facilitators in the game, maybe not getting the MVP recognition that he deserves for leading his team the Los Angeles Chargers still a little, little shaky ever since Melvin Gordon got back. They don't have that developed or established running back in the backfield between Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. I'm taking the Packers in this one, 31-21 to as well in Los Angeles. You, so.
1: you know you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. He hasn't been getting the MVP credit he deserves. I saw a new thing today. Aaron Rodgers actually has the best odds to win MVP now. Right behind or uh, right in front of Russell Wilson and Christian McCaffrey. So
0: yeah, and rightfully so. Um, to be his age and not saying he's incredibly old because he's no Tom Brady or anything like that, but he's a veteran in this game, and so he knows what how to lead his team. Like I said, I think a couple weeks ago on the show, I said you know Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback looking at them side by side, but the better team facilitator, the better game manager, um, being able to break down defenses pre-play. No doubt is Aaron Rodgers between the two. For sure. Next game, the Patriots at the Ravens. Tom Brady against Lamar Jackson. Who do you got?
1: Lamar Jackson's gonna be seeing ghost. Yeah. He's gonna be seeing ghost. Um uh, you know, New England quite possibly this could be like their two thousand eight team, going sixteen and no. But could they get that Super Bowl win? Yep. That's the question. I think that New England really could go sixteen and no this year. But I have them winning twenty eight to thirteen, you know, the Ravens' defense is a decent defense. Mm -hmm. Um, Lamar Jackson has been doing pretty good this year, but I think that New England defense is just going to be too much for Lamar Jackson and uh, Hollywood Brown.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think the Patriots' defense is exceptional, one of the best we've seen in a very, very, very long time. Tom Brady is a much better quarterback than Lamar Jackson as it sets right now. Um, The Patriots' defense, like I mentioned, just a couple weeks ago, they were averaging a little. Uh, they were averaging under a touchdown per game on defense, and then on offense, they were making up for it with Sony Michelle and James White, and they got Mohamed Sanu now to replace Philip Dorsett, and or excuse me, yeah, Philip Dorset, excuse me. And then um, still with Julian Edelman being as reliable as he is, I honestly don't see the Ravens breaking 14 points in this one. I have the Patriots winning 27 to 13 in Baltimore. Last one, the Monday night game, the Dallas Cowboys against Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the New York Giants. What are your opinions?
1: You know, the Cowboys started off really well, lost a couple games in a row. Um, you know, this fan base is kind of iffy on how this season's going to be going. Uh, but right now, I think the Cowboys are just going to be too much for a young New York Giants team. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, like you said, I mean, two very young talents, Um I don't think anybody in New York should be complaining about having Daniel Jones. He's, I think, stepping into the position like he has. I think he's done a phenomenal job. Yep. Um, and having Saquon Barkley, who in his second year is a top five running back, in my opinion. Yep. And he's going to be something special. And This New York Giants team is going to be something special here in the years to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm agree with you uh, with the Cowboys taking this one in New York. I think Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. He leads all quarterbacks in QBR um, through weeks week eight, Um, and I just think you know a lot of Cowboys fans are a little weary and questionable about Jason Garrett being their head coach. And so this is a big game for Jason Garrett because if he doesn't win on the road in the in uh, a somewhat tough environment of New York, then you know then questions are really going to be raised. On whether or not Jason Garrett deserves to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Alrighty, so that wraps up our NFL predictions for week eight. We're going to transition to the college game a little bit here on the weekly touchdown. We're going to start off with our college football playoff predictions. So, Andrew, who do you have at number one?
1: Who do I have at number one? I have the Ohio State University, All right. as the number one team in the country. And then, do you want me to
0: keep going on? No, uh, just why Why Ohio State? Why the Buckeyes?
1: I mean, Ohio State, they look like the most complete team in the country right now. Last week, destroying Wisconsin like they did. Wisconsin's been doing great. Other yep. than that Illinois game, which may or may not have been a fluke game for them, Ohio State handed them, I think it was, was it 38-7? to 7? Was that the final score? I, I believe so. Yeah, so Ohio State, you have Chase Young, Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, uh, K.J. Hill. I mean, that is such a solid lineup of team, uh, players. A lot of first round talent right there, and mm-hmm. I think that they just have the most superstars on that team.
0: Yep. All right, and I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I have number one. I have the LSU Tigers. Um, I predict that the LSU Tigers will knock off Alabama in two weeks. I have a feeling that they will win the SEC tournament or tournament, excuse me, SEC championship game in Atlanta, Georgia. Therefore, giving them the number one seed in the college football playoff. The reason being. Right now, they are playing the best out of, or they've proven the most out of any college football team. Um, they've knocked off three top 10 teams um, in Texas, Florida, and Auburn, I want to say. They have Joe Burrow at quarterback, who just has been playing phenomenal um, with him and uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the backfield. Just great compliments on there. That defense led by Grant Delpit as well is just stout as can be. Now, with Oklahoma's loss against K-State last weekend, there's a greater chance that two SEC teams will get in to the college football playoffs. So that's one thing to keep in mind between LSU and Alabama is the loser of that SEC championship game very well could be in the college football playoff as well. So who's your number two?
1: My number two, I have LSU Tigers. Like you said, Joe Burrow has been doing an amazing job. They've proven so much. Um, But like I said before, I just feel like Ohio State has more superstar talent than LSU, but I think that would be a great game against the two teams.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I have Ohio State, so we just have our one and two flipped. Like you mentioned, they're the most complete team. Chase Young went off this last weekend – absolutely destroying the offensive line that Wisconsin was known for um there's nothing else to say when you have a player on the defensive side of the ball that has is garnering national attention for Heisman possibly in Chase Young uh Justin Fields has fit the mold of the Ohio State quarterback perfectly well JK Dobbins is the perfect size perfect kind of running back to fit in Ryan Day's offense he's that power back but still has tons of speed. Ohio State Buckeyes, no doubt, are the top team in the Big Ten and possibly the only team, in my opinion, that can knock off LSU. Number three, I have the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, the only reason I put them at number three is I don't know about Tua. Um, Tua has a top-notch receiving core with Jerry Judy, um, Jalen Waddle, I believe is his name, and Najee Harris in the backfield. The thing is, you don't know how Tua's ankle is going to hold up. He just came off another operation. He had the same operation last year just on his other ankle, so it's you don't know how both of these are going to hold up. And you can't expect to win a national championship with your backup quarterback even at Alabama. So that's the only reason why I put them behind LSU in the college football playoff predictions. Who's your third team to make it?
1: I'm going to agree with you, and I have Alabama. And like you said, Tua, uh, his health is questionable right now. Um, I, I don't know who their backup quarterback is, but I know Tua's brother, I think it's Tala? Yeah. Yeah, Tala. I think he's probably third string. He might get some reps in here soon. I know that uh, Nick Saban kind of kind wasn't happy with reporters yeah. when they were asking him about if Tala Tagovailoa was going to get into the game. But, you know, Alabama, I mean, it's just Alabama. Nick Saban at the head coaching position there. And like you said, the wide receiving court, Najee Harris, it's just going to be too much for a lot of teams.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Fourth team I have the Clemson Tigers. Um they haven't done anything this year. But they've beaten all the teams that they're supposed to beat. So, um starting out the poll or starting out the season, they were number 1 overall. Then Alabama replaced them and now after this week's AP poll came out, LSU replaced Alabama. I just you can't keep them out because they're doing what they need to do to stay in. They're doing everything they can do to stay in. They're Beating teams, they just destroyed Boston College this past weekend. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne are really good. Um, but matching them up to LSU, Ohio State, and Bama, I don't think they can get past them this year. They don't have the Deshaun Watson or the Hunter Renfro of the the super reliable wide receiver. In my opinion, who do you have at number four?
1: I have Penn State. Ooh. Yeah, it's kind of weird. All right, so the college football playoff. You want the four best teams that are in the country. And I have Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Penn State. Now, you know what? I have two Big Ten, and I have two SEC teams. And I think that those four teams are leaps and bounds above everybody in the country, other than Clemson, who I do have at my number five spot. But I think that since Clemson has been struggling early on, um, I I think that's why they should be in the number five spot. Penn State – has been kind of exceeding the expectations. Nobody knew how the quarterback situation was going to be without Trace McSorley. Yep. But Sean Clifford's done an amazing job. Uh, I don't remember their white, that wide receiver's name, but when I was watching him against Michigan, he really impressed me. He kind of reminds me of Rondale Moore from Purdue or Wondale yep. Robinson from here in Nebraska. So, um, I, I'm loving Penn State right now.
0: And my my team that just missed it is Penn State. Um, the they're the I think in my eyes the winner of the Big Ten championship will get in. I think. Just looking at it from a committee st- uh, standpoint, the LSU uh, Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide just have more respect in the realm of college football in my opinion. I don't think that looking at it and saying, okay, who are we are we comparing Penn State and Clemson here? Should we should we put in two big Ten teams? Should we put in two SEC teams? I think they're going to choose two SEC teams over two big Ten teams in my opinion. Uh, I also think that the winner of the Big Ten championship will get in because heck, if Penn State somehow knocks off Ohio State, or they if Penn State not yeah knocks off Ohio State and is in the Big Ten championship and wins, then Penn State's in, in my opinion, just because they're a Big Ten championship or champion. But like I said, Ohio State's the more complete team. Penn State, the Nittany Lions, have a big test against Minnesota in two weeks. Um, But like you said, QB play from Sean Clifford is going extremely well. Um, I think it's K.J. Hamler. Yep, that sounds about right. K.J. Hamler, I believe, is the wide receiver that you were referring to. And that defense led by true sophomore Micah Parsons in the middle is extremely tough and just strong as can be. So those are our top four predictions and even the teams that missed out. And then now we're going to look at teams more individually. We already touched on these because a couple of these teams we talked about in our college football playoff predictions, but let's start off with the Tigers from LSU, led by Ed Orgeron. What are your thoughts on the LSU Tigers?
1: You know, you just mentioned Ed Orgeron. He's really turned that team around a few years ago. Les Miles was at the helm for the LSU Tigers. I think they had four wins that year. Yeah, He got canned, and Ed Orgeron has really turned that team around, which... Here's the thing. Other teams are wanting to uh, produce at the level that LSU has done so quickly, but it's a lot easier to recruit in Louisiana Mm -hmm. than it is in Minnesota or Nebraska or any other part of the country because there's just a talent pool that is within the state and just within the Southeast as a whole. Um, But Joe Burrow, like we said before, been doing amazing as a grad transfer from Ohio State. Um, And then that defense, I mean – It's an SEC defense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Joe Burrow is the leader in my Heisman as of right now. Um, Their balanced attack of him, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, along with Grant Delpit leading the defense. LSU is a serious title contending team, both in the SEC and the national scheme. I project them to knock off Bama, which I already mentioned a couple minutes ago. So who will LSU have to face in two weeks? The Alabama Crimson Tide led by Nick Saban. I already said that Tua is maybe healthy after getting another ankle procedure. We will never know. They have Jerry Judy on the outside that can outrun straight up anyone in the country. In my opinion, though, Andrew, this is not Nick Saban's most complete teams or complete team that he's had in recent years. I think injuries will play a big factor down the road. You don't know who what you're gonna get from Tua. Um even when Tua was in there, he wasn't he didn't seem like himself. He didn't wasn't the front front runner for the Heisman at all in my eyes and I think in the national media's eyes as well. Um Matt Jones, I believe is their def- or their backup quarterback's name. He can lead them to an easy win against Arkansas, but they can't I don't think he can win or lead them to that win in December or ger- January against LSU, against Ohio State or a team like that. So, and that's where the games matter the most. So, um, that's my opinion on Bama. What are yours opinions?
1: You know, I mean, as you said, Nick Saban, this is not his most complete Alabama team, but Alabama is just solid overall, like every year. Um, I think they have probably one of the best offenses they've had in quite some time Tua, I mean, even though he hasn't produced at a high, as high as the levels he did last year, he's still a great quarterback. And when you have Najee Harris, and then you have Jerry Judy, uh, Jalen Wadley. And then, is it Harry or Henry Scruggs? Is that his name? I believe it's Henry Scruggs. Henry Scruggs, yeah. So you have three top or first-round picks in wide receivers. Uh, It's just a lot of offense power on that team. Um, So I think Bama, they'll be fine. But like you said, LSU is just going to be that roadblock.
0: Yeah, it's going to be that one big test. The Sooners of Oklahoma is the next team we're going to touch on here. So what's next for the Sooners after they got kind of, well, the scoreboard doesn't show it by a 48-41 loss, but they got embarrassed by the Wildcats of Kansas State this last weekend. What's next for the Sooners?
1: You know, the Sooners, they have an amazing offense. We all know that. Jalen Hurts could win the Heisman. Yeah. And But the thing is, coming into the season, nobody knew how far Oklahoma could get because of that defense. Mm -hmm. Last year, they fired their defense coordinator towards the end of the year, and their defense kind of got a little bit better, but they're expecting some more things, and they've looked better throughout this year, but then, as you said, they gave up 48 points against Kansas State. Um, The biggest question mark's on defense. Are they going to be able to stop a Big 12 offense? Yeah. Or if they play against... LSU, Ohio State, will their defense be able to stop them enough? It's just going to be a shootout whoever they play, yeah, no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's what I ha- exactly have. I said Jalen Hurts is a possible Heisman contender. C.D. Lamb is possibly one of the best catch- or pass catchers in the country. But when the defense wasn't able to stop a Kansas State offense from moving the ball each drive, I can't see them being able to stop a high-powered offense like LSU or Ohio State. All righty, last but not least, the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Top team in the Big Ten, in my opinion. The most complete team in football. Justin Fields is phenomenal, and Chase Young, possibly one of the best players in football. But he doesn't get the recognition because he's on the defensive side. He's not number one in the Heisman because he's on the defensive side of the ball. He might be the best player, but he's just not in the conversation just because he's on the wrong side of the ball. What are your thoughts on Ohio State?
1: You know, like I said before, Ohio State is the best team in the country, in my opinion. Uh, They just have so much talent. Justin Fields, coming into the season, I didn't think – I didn't get all the hype around him. In the spring game, he kind of struggled. Of course, it was just a spring game. Uh, But there's a reason why he didn't start at Georgia. Yeah. And a lot of people were thinking that same thing, but he has proved all of his haters wrong, and he's had a great year. Uh, Chase Young, like you said, probably he is no doubt the most dominant player in college football, the biggest game changer, in my opinion, this year. Yep. Um, would you say that he could probably be the best defense player in this decade?
0: Oh, I, he's definitely up there. Um, he reminds me of a quicker Sue. I mean, he really does. This last weekend against one of the top offensive lines in the country in Wisconsin, four sacks and two forced fumbles. And that's just unheard of in this day and age of college football where the offensive linemen are tougher, the offensive linemen, especially at a place like Wisconsin, where and Jonathan Taylor, who is one of the best backs in college football, he just stopped him, And he made it look easy. And he garnered national attention from this game because he was finally on a national stage where against a national yeah, quote unquote powerhouse in the Badgers, and he made it look easy. So I wouldn't I maybe wouldn't go as far back as saying a decade, but in the last five years, I think he is the best player on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Now and a lot of people have been saying And Sue could probably have been the most dominant defense player all time in college mm-hmm. football uh stat I saw is Indominant Sioux, his senior year, had twelve sacks. He won AP player of the year, finished third in the high or I think it was third or second in the yep. Heisman voting that year. And that was unheard of. I, Charles Woodson's the only Heisman player on the defensive side of the ball. Yep. Chase Young this year has 13 and a half sacks in eight games.
0: Yeah, which is just ridiculous. When we saw him play in Lincoln, he tore the subpar offensive lineman of Nebraska up into shreds. He's torn every offensive lineman in, er, line into shreds. They can double him. They can go one-on-one on with him, and he's going to win that battle, no doubt. He's going to have a, fin- a fantastic NFL career. There's no doubt in my mind. He is a top three pick in April's draft, in my opinion, and he's going to lead the Ohio State defense to huge, huge accomplishments this winter. Next team, is Minnesota for real? No. <laughs> All right. Why not? You know, if you just look
1: at their schedule, who have they played? Their best yeah. team they've played, Nebraska maybe? How did
0: they play against Nebraska though?
1: They did amazing.
0: Did did they play well or did Nebraska play really bad or was it a combination of both?
1: I think it was combination of both. Like we're going to talk about later Nebraska has been a big disappointment this year in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, The defense did not play, though, for sure, for Nebraska. But um, it was a cold game. I think that Minnesota was prepared mentally Mm -hmm. to play in that game. Um, But other than that, Minnesota hasn't played anybody. So when they play Penn State here in a couple weeks, I think that's going to be a huge indicator on what kind of a team they actually are. Tanner Morgan actually... I think he leads the Big Ten in QBR, which is astonishing. Um, I I mean, he's a good quarterback from the eye test, but I don't think he is better than Justin Fields or Sean Clifford or maybe even Shea Patterson. But Shea Patterson hasn't been doing this so well this year, but he's still a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I will admit, after South Dakota State's game in the opening week of the season, Georgia Southern in Week 2, I did not believe in this team at all. After I saw them push Fresno State to overtime, or I saw Fresno State push them to overtime, I did not think so hot of this team. But now looking back and doing my research for today, I'm a little more lenient on the Fresno State game because it was a road game. When you play at Fresno State, Husker fans know this because we've had to play Fresno State in the past. It's a late it's a late game. You're not starting your game till 9:30 at night, according to our time. In the central time zone. So I'm more lenient on that game. But when it's come to Big Ten play, the offensive line has improved drastically. Um, and the line, in my opinion, is the key to winning any game in any league, whether you're in the AAC, whether you're in the Big Ten or SEC. It's how good are your offensive and defensive lines. Tanner Morgan, like you mentioned, is more, I, in my opinion, he's more than just a game manager. He's a facilitator, and he's really proving a lot of doubters wrong. He proved me wrong. I I mean, looking at Nebraska's quarterback situation, which kind of is a mess right now. You have three guys that are dinged up. I I would be okay with Tanner Morgan at quarterback. Maybe he wouldn't fit into Scott Frost's offense, but... I would be okay if we had a, a facilitator and a game manager to the likes of Tanner Morgan in Nebraska's offense. So now we're going to transition. What is wrong with Nebraska? Why are they sitting here at 500 when a lot of people pick these guys to win the West?
1: Nebraska is just such a young team. If you look at that offensive line, you have Matt Farniak at right tackle, who is a junior. At left tackle, you have Brandon Hymas, who is a senior. Other mm-hmm. than that, you have a lot of uh so you have a center who in Cam Jurgens who is a redshirt freshman. He was a tight end. That was what he was recruited for was to be a tight end. Trent Hickson at left guard, um, he's a redshirt freshman. And that right guard, uh
0: man, who is the right <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I it's just a young offensive line. Yeah, just line. just
1: a young offensive line, which has been struggling this year, you know. Cam Jergens at the beginning of the year was not snapping well at all and everybody mm-hmm. could see that adrian martinez was having to jump up for a lot of snaps he lost a couple snaps and it caused a lot of turmoil within that offense but in the past couple games i'm starting to feel more confident with cam jurgens at center i mean if you saw the game last week you know doing a couple a couple direct snaps to wandale robinson yep. in the backfield you know it, it, it's looking better but like i said it's a young offensive line we have bryce benhart who i I'm excited for once yeah. he gets developed. Turner Corcoran, who's number thirty-eight on twenty-four-seven sports, yep. Uh rankings, he's
0: he might be starting next year. Who knows? Yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, like I just mentioned with the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, it's all about the lines. We we're not or Nebraska is not going getting any pressure on the defensive side of the ball, even from those experienced guys. So we have to get that figured out. Possibly Jakeem Green may fit that role next year or later on this season. On the offensive side of the ball, like you said, we're just so young that we're just not holding our blocks. We're not getting big enough holes for Adrian Martinez when he's healthy. Noah Vidral when he is healthy or Christian Mc- or excuse me, Luke McCaffrey when he is healthy. We're not getting big enough holes for Wandale. and Wandale wasn't even 100 percent healthy this last weekend and he still showed the heart of a warrior. So the motto of all Nebraska fans and the Nebraska football program, as it is right now, is just patience. And it's so hard for Husker fans to be patient, but if there's anybody that's going to change this, it's Scott Frost.
1: It's got to be Scott Frost because if Husker fans aren't patient enough, and Scott Frost, God forbid, gets fired yeah. eventually.
0: Well, who who would we hire? Exactly. That's the thing. And when I'm hearing people call for the head of Scott Frost saying, hey, we got to can him. We got to change this now. I'm thinking, who are we going to hire? Nebraska is not going to go out and hire Nick Saban or steal Nick Saban or Ed Orgeron from LSU. We're not going to. We don't have an assistant like Ryan Day that can just step up and lead the team We don't because we don't have the talent on the Husker team that Ohio State did when Ryan Day took over. Now granted, that's no shot at Ryan Day. Ryan Day is a heck of a football coach, and he's proving that this year. And Scott Frost is a heck of a football coach. He's he's proving that slowly but surely. The culture through Nebraska football has not fully been changed. We're seeing that with Maurice Washington these last couple weeks. We're seeing that with other guys that, you know, Miles Jones, who... Is was expected to do well out of high school, and just yesterday kind of put his name in the transfer portal um, because he's only had one reception for 21 yards, I believe, against Bethune-Cookman last year in a game that was a rainout because of Akron that Nebraska won handily, and he had one rush for five yards against Bethune-Cookman last year. So, Miles Jones maybe he wasn't bought in they don't they won't play somebody if they're not comfortable and if they don't think okay that guy's going to go out there and give 100% for me and one one example of yeah that culture's changing is you look at Scott Frost in his press conference saying how you know guys in Minnesota were warming up in sweatshirts and he goes back in back in my day I'd get beat up if if I did that and so just seeing that he, that culture and that kind of uh, mindset that he is instilling into this program, it's just going to take time. So I hate to say it, it's hard for us, it's hard for me, I know for sure, to be patient when we see little spurts of that offense uh, with Wandale and stuff like that, and when Adrian's playing well, so just be patient. So
1: when you have, when he has all of his players that he needs, I think that's when the time's gonna be is gonna be Nebraska's time. Here yeah. here maybe two, three years max I would say. Yeah. When you
0: have Mike Riley, he ruined the culture of this program. Well and talking about Mike Riley, looking at his recruiting class, his two thousand and seventeen recruiting class has practically vanished. It's literally gone except a couple players. And so when you basically just lose a whole recruiting class, all right, do you rely on the two thousand sixteen guys that are seniors this year or do you rely on the 2018 guys who are maybe redshirt freshmen or it's you just you have to pick and choose and so when those 2016 recruiting class kind of guys you know didn't commit to Scott Frost Scott Frost and his staff didn't choose those guys are they going to be bought in and that's it's going to take time to see and man, we thought we all of us Husker fans thought, yeah, last year was it when we we were we were uh finding the guys that weren't on board fully and we were weeding them out, but it shows that they can say and do everything on the field, but eventually all the stuff off the field's going to show up and come to the forefront and say, "Hey, yeah, they're not 100% bought in, so it's time to cut ties."
1: You know, and last year like you were saying, um not all the players are bought in Ty John Lindsay and Greg Bell. I think especially were big keys in not having that whole locker room on board on what Scott Frost is trying to do with his team. Uh, Could that be the same thing with miles Jones and Maurice Washington this year? Yeah. Maurice Washington's a great player. Um, I don't think we really know what he's done, but all we know is he's not on the team at this moment. And If he's not on this team, could he have been a toxic player on the team and in the locker room that's been holding them back? Um, You know, Greg Greg Bell last year, everyone thought that he was going to be the next great running back. Yeah. And you could obviously tell he wasn't bought in all the way. And I think that that Husker team turned around once him and Ty John Lindsay especially were off. And I think that we could be in store for – Another turnaround after Maurice Washington, he left. Offense did fine without him and fine without Adrian Martinez. Mm-hmm. And then Miles Jones, obviously, like you said, he hasn't done anything the past couple of years while he's been here. But we have we already have enough of those guard position players. You have yeah. Wondell Robinson, JD Spielman. Uh how much of those do you need actually?
0: Exactly. And you know, another thing is, is when I think of guys that are bought in, I think of Divino Zigbo. I think of well, geez, what's Wandale doing this year? Potential Big Ten Freshman of the Year? And so, when you see that, I just think back to Divino Zigbo, honestly. Muhammad Barry. Darian Daniels, in six, month, six months that he's being here, is already griping on guys. And that's what Scott Frost is going to need. There's, you're always going to have attrition when you're talking about athletics, especially at the D1 level, because guys are going to want to win, and they're going to want to win now. Um, and... We're still going through a coaching transition. We're still transitioning from the Mike Riley era to Scott Frost era. Even though fans don't want to acknowledge it, we are. I mean, that's just how it is. It's going to take more than a year. I think Husker fans, including myself, are just so pushy that we want to win and we want to win now. So, um, patience, man.
1: Yeah, it's patience. And especially that defense, you're going to need more patience. That senior class, they've been through three different defense coordinators yep. with three totally different schemes. Yeah, You had Mike Riley, whoever his first
0: defense well, coordinator Mar- was. Yeah, Mark Banker with the 4-3. Okay, Mark Banker. And then you went to Bob Diaco. Yeah. Who was supposed to be the the, the the rising star. Exactly.
1: And then Eric Shenander, you know, I like his scheme. I like how he utilizes the blitzes and the confusion. Yeah, but, I mean, people have talked about Northern Illinois how their blitzes are confusing to an offensive line and maybe it doesn't show in total yards but really it hectic it, it for the other team to have to go up against Nebraska defenses because there's just so much they can throw at them UCF Eric Chenander did an amazing job yep. with UCF Shaquem Griffin uh really I, you can't There's no words to say about him. Yeah,
0: just a warrior. And that's what Scott Frost is eventually going to get here. He's going to get guys like Shaquem Griffin that will play their butts off, play in and play out every single play, every single snap. It's just going to take time. And a lot of fans just, it's, it's a bummer because Husker fans, they want to win. And, you know, we're going to be good. We're going to get that national prominence back. It's just going to take time. So please just stop calling for their heads. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't call for Scott Frost to get fired because it will not happen. We signed him to a seven-year contract for a reason. It's going to take time. Bill Namoose knows that. Exactly, exactly. That is all we have for the weekly Touchdown 7th episode. Thank you guys so much. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Have a great Halloween and great weekend wherever you may be.